Man, I got a bone to pick. Uh, I've been getting some messages about yesterday's episode with this uh, uh, sleep sleep music thing. Sleep music, yeah. People think you might be a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> going to sleep to uh, Replica. I mean, uh-huh. something as glitchy as one o tricks point never. I mean, come on. You're trying to give yourself nightmares? You got to embrace the chaos. I think when you said ambience, that was not what I was envisioning. <laughs> I thought you meant like discrete music or something like that, not... Not quite mm-hmm. that. Nope. <laughs> but anyway. I'll tell you what else I've been enjoying, though, recently to go to sleep. Although I'll, I listen to it during the day, too. This uh, There's this album called At Scaramouche. Mm. It's got some really dreamy synth tones, some really mellow vocals. Just came out, right? Yeah. Uh, Kurgovich and Shabison. Shabison Kurgovich. <laughs> Shabison Kurgovich. Sorry. It's like Lennon McCartney, McCartney Lennon. Yeah. That's me on the podcast. Sharing a song with something to say about it with Thin Lear and Niagara Moon. Losing my opinion. You know what? I think I see one of those fellas in our Zoom chat here. How you doing there, Sir Nicholas? I'm doing well. Hi Thomas. Hi Matt. Nicholas, I became familiar with your work through Ouch which for my money is like one of the best breakup records of the 2010s. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you're super prolific fella, just album after album of gorgeous tunes. Uh, I would call you a tunesmith <laughs> and you know, who else is a tunesmith though? Jimmy Webb. Y- yeah. Yes, actually. Well, that's yeah. True. Yeah, he is. Uh, but also, also Paul McCartney. And that's my segue into, our Beatles discussion today, because Nicholas, unless Thomas has misinformed me here, you have not really heard much of the Beatles. Is that an accurate way to put it? Yeah, what's that about? It's not that I haven't heard. I've heard them because I'm like a living, breathing person. That was Right, right, who consumes media. Yeah, that was born in 1982. So I'm like profoundly like familiar, but I've never like owned a record or listened to one all the way through, except... I do have a memory of uh, being in a coffee shop, and I know they were playing Revolver because they had it like on a little stand, and I was there for most of that. But I've never actually just like dropped the needle and listened to Sgt. Pepper, Let It Be, or whatever, like any of them. So right, yeah. So I'm definitely familiar. They, the Beatles created like most of the music that I listened to, but I haven't actually like listened to them that much. You haven't sat down with an album and really done some active listening. No, yeah. Not yet. Yeah, and is that like a not yet? You know, you're you're such a, a musically restless, curious creator. Like, is that a conscious decision to avoid something so ubiquitous? And or is it just is it something else? It's not conscious, but I do feel like it's. If I do think about it, and like my nature, it's just my like lifelong pretentious leaning to just go to the other spot even when it's like ill-advised and like there's no excuse for that really but it's just like part of who i am (laughs) it's funny i was i was thinking when thomas told me about this like i didn't drink for years when i was younger i didn't drink i didn't have a reason i just didn't do it yeah and then like all through college and then in my 20s it was like this is actually part of my identity now. And mm. it was almost like a, a badge of honor that I wasn't doing this, but I didn't have a philosophy behind it. 
Yeah. Similarly, I didn't. I hardly drank at all through my twenties too. And now look at me. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to drink beer. I just didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say in my late twenties, which was like the like two thousand eight. That's when like young people or GQ magazine. It was very like cocktails and like um, everyone was dressing like. They went to some Ivy League New England. I don't know. So I got, yeah. I kind of got into that then. So I was like in my late 20s when I started dabbling. And, but now it's like definitely a part of my life. <laughs> a healthy part. Like I love it. I think it's the best thing ever right. for me anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Now, unlike alcohol though, by the way, you can call me Thomas. That's fine. I'm also known as uh, Grammy Award Deserving hmm. musician Niagara Moon. That's a good qualifier. Uh, I'm universally hated musician uh, Thin Lear, uh, aka Ooh. Matt Lago. Yeah, thank you. And we're on with Nicholas Kurgovich, our esteemed guest for today. And I am excited to talk to somebody who has not been, I think you used this term uh, many a moon ago, Thin Lear. You said brainwashed into yeah. the Beatles catalog. There's a Beatles. That's very apropos. There's an indoctrination that happened mm, in my yeah. life. I mean, I'm grateful for it because it's like, oh, yeah. The, as Nicholas kind of alluded to, like the tabula rosa of a lot of modern, even indie, whatever indie is, you know, I, I come back to. I, I guess the question I have is like, and what I want to see from, from Nick's perspective is uh, how much of this is, is marketing, ongoing boomer marketing? Because I dearly love the Beatles, but like it kind of never stops, right? Like now it's the new thing is like Ram. Yeah. Ram is the first uh, indie album. It's like it's, it's the marketing machine keeps going and it keeps evolving for the next generation and what it needs to, to be for that generation to love it. Um, I would say put a pin in that, because, but I also have a thing that I've been thinking about where I have this memory of being with my, Phil, oh, my friend Phil's daughter. We were on the kitchen table. This was probably like five years ago now, and she was maybe three or four years old. And she, we were eating breakfast, and she requested putting on the Beatles, and he, I think he put on Sgt. Pepper, and I was sitting across the table from her, and I could just see spirals in her eyes. Like, she was just <laughs> hypnotized by what was coming out of the stereo. That was me. You know what I mean? And I was like, Once this is so beautiful to know that there's this, like, music that is just cutting through that. At that point, it's probably, like, 2018 or something to this just wide-open child brain. So I, it could be marketing. I mean, I think it's it's all sorts of things, but there has to be something that's just in the like just the fabric of this music that has this, you know, ability to just like capture uh, hearts and minds. So I complete, completely agree. So there's two things. I have two small theories about that. Like okay. my, I have an an eight month old daughter. Yeah. Um, she loves. Well, she loves Leonard Cohen. That's her. Mm. That's her favorite. <laughs> nice. I'm not sure what that's about. Everybody knows. <laughs> she doesn't like the the newer stuff. I think it rumbles the speakers. But uh, the earlier <laughs> records. Uh, I have a few theories about it. One, like I'm overjoyed when I'm playing her this music because, as you were just sort of alluding to, it's such a it's such it's woven into the fabric of my life that like I get emotional. I think she feels me get emotional when we're listening to Yellow Submarine or some childlike thing. Great song. And she she feeds off of that vibe. But also, she really enjoyed like Ziggy Stardust and Hunky Dory too, I think, for that same reason. But I was thinking, I was listening to Bowie's voice, like the how vocals. Old is, how old is she again? Eight, eight months. Eight months. So how can you eight tell months. 
she's enjoying it. <laughs> or like, what, go- what are the... She goes like this with her hand. Oh, nice. Ah. And she rocks back and, she rocks back and forth. Because similarly, uh, so I have like for a, those at home, yeah. uh, Matt uh, twisted his wrist back and forth. I twisted my wrist back. Motion. Oh yes, this yeah. is not a visual. Medium. I twist my wrist back and forth. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. similarly, I feel my dog, who's a year and eight months, so it's got a year on your daughter. But I can sure. I I feel when he's tolerating what I'm listening to, or and when he's enjoying what I'm listening to, because like you can just tell when he's vibing a little bit, or yeah. vibing quite a bit. So yeah, I I put I put yeah. on Highway sixty one. Uh, revisited <laughs> and uh, it got to once upon a time and she started crying. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's the last time I'll yeah, try Dylan. Yeah. But anyway, Beatles Shows? vocals. Okay, yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Beatles vocals are super clear. They're mm. very clear. Like the way that they're mixed and just pretty, you know, yeah, reassuring. For, everything's enunciated because it's British yeah. too. So I think that is maybe part of it. But mm. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Nick. Like I, I saw it with her and I was, I was Thomas. I was trying not to indoctrinate her. Like it's just, it was in the rotation it just, it and that's what, what she, it is. It is what it is. Yeah. By the time I was maybe nine or 10, I had heard most of, if not all the Beatles albums, the dozen times. Like for me in my brain, there's all other music and then the Beatles catalog. Like I can't listen to it the same way I hear other music. It's it's like reading a book or reading uh, like the ABCs, you know what I mean? It's, it's its own category, the way I grew up with it. So I, I really hope I can, you know, see the look that comes up on Nick's face as he hears these tunes today and just try to have an idea what that perspective is, he, hearing this music like with, with an, older, an older brain, an older mind yeah, like that's which, been exposed to other kinds of music. Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of impossible for, you know... <laughs> For me to have that like childlike approach to the Beatles at this point, but I hope that, that, not. That makes it more objective too, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I want to hear it. I'm sure I'm gonna. I love it all. Like, I mean, it's they make the best perfect music. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not not a fan. I just happen to like barely know anything about them or listen to them. <laughs> I thought I thought a lot about this, Thomas. The direction I'm gonna yeah. go in. I would like to go oh, yeah. first, if it's okay with you. You can go first. Two, two other things I want to just uh, set up here, though. So, you know, just quickly, what would you say some of your favorite kind of music is in general as a, as a baseline? Who are, who are your, your go-tos, different artists or bands? When you answer, like I ask that question, I have to think about like childhood things, like things that went in really early. Sure. And um, I think I even wore this OMD t-shirt on purpose because... The Pacific Age by OMD, which came out in 1986, was like a huge one for me. So this might be like a bedrock, like Beatles-like album because I still throw it on constantly and love it. And uh, I mean, obviously, like Pet Shop Boys and Michael Jackson and Prince and just Cyndi Lauper, like that Mm. was those were the things that. And well, outside of that, like I would say Joe Jackson and Talking Heads. Mm. These are all things that I think about from a human league from my childhood and uh, Tusk. I know that much. Stevie well, Nicks. no, I got into that. I got that. I got into that in my twenties or late later on. Right. But definitely. So I'm, I'm. I'm mainly. I feel like the thing that happens to most people is the Beatles go in between like zero and maybe like seventh grade or something. You know what it's I mean? Pretty fair, yeah. So yeah. like, and I would say when I was in seventh grade. Or maybe eighth grade, the um, 
there was like a documentary anthology thing that came out and was like on TV. Oh, and yeah, was like, in the 90s. Yeah, and there was like a double disc thing that was like around. So like there was like this mar- back to marketing. Quadruple disc. Yeah, like marketing thing. There was like a bit of, big explosion. There was a push, yeah. But at that point, I was already just like into like Stereo Lab and Yola Tango and Eric's Trip and stuff. And I was like not turning my nose up at the Beatles, but I just didn't have that curiosity. I guess I'm just trying to really hammer home the point that I'm like not anti any of this stuff. <laughs> you got a healthy pop vocabulary. Like right. you listed yeah. a lot of classic, you know, radio friendly. Yeah. You know, you're pretty well rounded, is what it sounds like. Thank you. <laughs> so good, good to know going in. But that's, yeah. that's what I wanted to uh, to set up there. Yeah. Um, oh, but I was going to say the outlier in that is like uh, Carol, King, Carol King's Tapestry played a lot at, oh, my, at my house when I was a kid. That's a good and stuff. And so that's like, yeah. yeah, that's something I would say was right. like kind of elemental to my childhood that's not like 80s uh, synth pop. And which is not necessarily like Beatles informed music because mm-hmm. Carol King was doing her thing yeah. and was more brill building and, yeah. and sort of came up that way. Uh, so I don't think it's someone you could necessarily describe as Beatlesque either. It's right. like a different, different All, pop track. Although, like the Brill Building aspect of those songs and stuff. I mean, Tapestry is far more like personal and less like cranking it out. But um, I do like when I watch the parades scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Out, and he does Twist and Shout or whatever. Like it's undeniably powerful, like cerebral. Like this is so. I do kind of almost like the less experimental. I like Shake It a Baby now. Like that's a great lyric okay. to me. You know what I mean? Like the just like how just like on the bullseye direct that is, is and the energy behind it is crazy. So John Lennon sang his balls yeah, off yeah, right? that whole yeah. recording session yeah. that, that whole day. Yeah. Yeah. I that, I that's love gonna be a great one. I love like just real powerful like songs about dancing or doing something very simple, you know. They have a lot of those. I'm very much, yeah. very much second, second guessing my choices right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'm open. I'm open to. I want to hear it all. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Let's. I, I want to hear something. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to get into okay. it. So, Matt, you, you're going to go first. Yes. I, I think the idea is we both have two Beatles songs we prepared in, in advance that we want to show Nicholas. Um, I would love to hear what your first choice is and why uh, why you picked it. Okay. Uh, should we have some kind of grading system here for Nicholas, like a pitchfork thing? Like he gives it like a six point eight. Or... <laughs> I don't do no, 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 no. I think not a numbers, numbers is the most yeah. demented. The fact that <laughs> anyone does that at we were all just talking in twenty twenty two is yeah. just like ugh, barf me. Okay, no. <laughs> so we were just talking about how stupid that is, but um, yes. So I'm going in a really specific direction today. I'm going with understated, melancholic, baroque narrative driven stuff. Uh Um, I feel like McCartney kind of owned this space in the band. Uh, He was most comfortable with chords. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very painful experience to pick these. So like Mm. my wife is from Dominican Republic and she came here when she was already an adult and legitimately she did not know like Beatles tunes beyond like yesterday or like whatever massive tunes made it over there. Uh, I tried and failed so many times to introduce her to this band. So like, Getting my heart broken in this way is is uh, <laughs> not an uncommon experience for me. Whoa! But so she she couldn't get in. She did 
only recently like hmm. and i realized wow. that she only likes the later stuff like basically everything from like sergeant peppers to let it be abbey road uh, does not like the early stuff i think she feels like it's cartoonish hmm. <laughs> which it kind of is but like that's sort that, of it's that's what it's, i like it's about all it all part of the charm yeah. 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 yeah yeah all right so my first tune uh and i might pivot if depending on your facial reactions <laughs> uh so thomas bring up for no one i knew you were gonna pick that one why why did you know that Never heard the of second her. You said melancholy baroque. I'm like, well, that's okay. that's the one. Yeah, I guess that's good. Uh, uh, yeah, Paul McCartney classic here. This is off Revolver. Hmm. Um, this is like I see this as an evolution from yesterday. Like just more complex lyrically, just gets a different kind of emotion. It's just a it's a far better breakup song, I think. But I'm gonna stop hyping it, All and right. then you'll tell me how you feel. Okay, it's a very short. Yeah, this this is uh, one of his. Very notable breakup songs, I'd say. Who was he with? Do you mean, or just uh, some what sort of person? Face? Jane Asher. Jane Asher. Was that the, yeah. Yeah. Was an it actress? Was... I think she was an actress. Model, actress. I don't know. I. Okay. <laughs> I've only seen the anthology and the documentaries mm. and read the books. And, and her, yeah. <laughs> yeah, only that. Her brother. Her brother was Peter Asher, who produced, I think, James Taylor. Okay. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, okay. And James Taylor started out on, like, Apple Records. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, all, a whole bunch of things that you did not want to <laughs> hear yeah. about. But you know what? If you want to get your, your full-on Beatles trivia, you could. there's literally hundreds of thousands of other podcasts for that. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not, not going to do that. I'm not too much pressure no. on this. Yeah. No. So this is a song called For No One. Yeah, I, this tune is uh, it's a classic. It's only two minutes. Just you're, get in, get out, done. That's economy. Yeah. yeah. Your day breaks, your mind aches. You find that all her words of kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. She wakes up, she makes up, she takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you. And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years You want her, you need her And yet you don't believe her When she says her love is dead You think she needs you so well recorded for the time, too. And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years You stay home, she goes out she says that long ago she knew someone, but right. now he's gone. I don't think we she can play, quite play the whole thing. Uh, I don't know if we get in trouble for that. This is illegal. But... <laughs> I don't get to hear the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's only two minutes. <laughs> okay. You really? All right, fuck it. Let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna close out here. Last uh, thirty you seconds. You gotta let me hear the horn the yeah. coming together yeah. with the vocal. Your day breaks. Your mind aches. There will be times when all. She said, we'll fill your head, you won't forget her And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind 
the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years Well, All right. I loved everything about it. <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> That's like unimpeachable, wonderful music <laughs> to my ears <laughs> and to most. <laughs> so thank you. Never heard it before, that I don't think. Makes me so happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm so used to getting shot down. I have like PTSD from my wife being like, like staring <laughs> blankly at me while I play her like while my guitar gently weaves. Right. Well, I mean, if you threw that on, maybe Oof. I'd say something else. I don't know. But that song, enjoyed it immensely. But also, I like the setup. I like having the context. I think because of something about, like, just Beatles being, like, air that's just breathe. Like, I think I... Shelly, sing your song. Um, I think maybe that might be a thing I'm learning already is just, like, maybe just, like, a setup or context for mm. getting into these things is going to be useful for me. Cause, that makes sense. Yeah, just because I, I do, yeah, so. Can I ask you, do you know, have you heard of either of these two songs? Because I want to pick one that you are less familiar with. Okay. Uh, There's a song called She's Leaving Home. Nope. Or Dear Prudence. I've heard of that. I probably, okay. what, doesn't Susie and the Banshees cover it or something? <laughs> yes, yeah, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all right, let, let's, let's bring up She's Leaving Home. Which is a nice compare like i love the titles she's leaving home and uh song where was the last one called for no one for no yeah those are complimentary song titles i feel i feel like that yeah so this yep. is like an advancement even further into that ornate baroque direction yeah, this is paul city here paul city today very interesting it's a, it's yeah. a story song uh we do love story songs on this podcast yeah. uh none of the beatles actually play instruments on this song it's fully orchestral um and Lennon, I, I think Paul McCartney won the Ivor Novello Award for this song, which was like a big deal at the time. Uh, this is Brian Wilson's favorite Beatles song. Okay, that sort of crazy. lets you know oh. kind of what it is. Also, back to for no one, like the palette of that too, and the arrangement, and it's just like so Spartan and perfect, and there's just like impeccable on every level, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like Jesus, yeah, yeah. McCartney, he, he's got elegance in his yeah. arrangements, but yeah. I will also say like. I hear it going do 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 like I can kind of see the chunks <laughs> like he yeah. yeah the pieces and sometimes I like to a lot of the time when I like pop music that really moves me is stuff that where I'm just like floating and I don't know what's going on but I'm like enjoying every corner of what's going on whereas I feel mm. like with their songwriting it's like like I can see what's you know what I mean? I do. I know exactly. The craftsmanship is a little more apparent. The yeah. architecture of it. Th yeah. There is nothing. There's nothing deconstructed about mm -hmm. Beatles music. Like it's mm -hmm. all. It's not about the notes that aren't there. Like the notes are there. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they they really carefully considered and chose those notes, which is why like you talk about the White Album. Like even the White Album and Let It Be are pretty carefully considered mm. uh, in comparison with like truly wild records. Number nine, mm -hmm. except for that song. That song is not <laughs> carefully considered. <laughs> uh, but let's let's see what let's see what Nicholas thinks about this song. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. This, yeah, this is very in my mind. This is very similar territory to she's to uh, for no one. I mean, it's only a year later, but like the sonic quality, the production level, like everything is definitely taken a step forward. Hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, and just another beautiful melancholic pop number. It's not even psychedelic. I mean, this is off Sgt. Pepper's, which is like the yeah. quintessential psychedelic record. But to me, there's nothing really psychedelic no. about this tune. I'm going to fire it up here. It's a little bit longer. Uh, mm -hmm. three, over three and a half minutes. That's, uh, that's lengthy for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you cut it when it feels appropriate, I think. Or is it possible to like cut it in post so I can hear the whole thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Okay, I'll sweet. Let's I'd that. fucking love to listen to this song right now. Okay. Yeah. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. Silently closing her bedroom door, leaving the note that she hoped would say more. She goes downstairs to the kitchen clutching her handkerchief. Quietly turning the back door key, stepping outside she is free. She up the letter that's lying there standing alone at the top of the stairs she breaks down and cries to her husband daddy our baby's gone Why would she gorgeous <laughs> I'm like openly weeping <laughs> <laughs> That, <laughs> what a gift. Thank you. It's such a painful song, right? Yeah, but even beyond like the lyric sheet, it's like the energy behind that is so incredible. Yeah. And the arrangements it's, per yeah. The way the vocals lock together in that chorus, I forgot how it just yeah, weeps that's, in and out. That's the thing that gets me. I could yeah. totally get why uh that would be Brian Wilson's one out of them all, you know? Holy shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it, that one I think is we like, got a Beatles fan in the house well, here, Matt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. <laughs> I don't want I don't want Nicholas to become a Beatles fan. I want him to just like certain tunes cuz I think it's I'm a Beatles fan. I just but yeah, and I now I like certain I mean, that was that was so beautiful. It was so special hearing that like cold like that. Yeah. But also the thing that I liked about the the there's so many similarities and just um the way the last song and this one, even though it's like lush and or like the effect is the same, even though the like window dressing is completely different, which is also so special. Yeah. And I also love songs that are in such a strict meter, like this is a waltz, but it doesn't feel like a waltz. And this one yeah. to me totally floated through. Whereas the other one was felt a little like chunky. Whereas this one, I was just yeah. like floating through this whole thing. It was like, yeah, that, yeah it's crazy. That chunky thing, that's, that's the Ringo effect. Really? He's a very chunky drummer. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's cool. 
it's a cool, but like, I mean, this drumless number, uh, yeah, I, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> it's just, yeah, man, it's a strange song to have on. Like the more I think about the, the tune, it's like a counterculture album. And it's like, it's, it's so weird because it shows you the perspective of the squares like these parents that are being left behind by this girl that's going to hate Ashbury, Ashbury or whatever, and them not understanding it at all, um, which is such a weird thing to be on the quintessential countercultural album where it's like, I wonder if the, the child boomers were listening to this and getting that, mm. or if they were just like, oh, here's this weird, like, uh, drumless song. Whoa. Like it was a little PSA to just like let them in or something. I just like, I also like really quiet domestic lyrics. Like that's like a thing that is, I'm a sucker for. So, um, to hear a lyric sheet that's not, you know, look like these bold elemental strokes. It's like nice. Yeah. Well, you do that. that, You do that in your music. Your, your lyrics are quite carefully considered. Yeah. Or I, they kind of just plop out, but yeah, they definitely have, (laughs) <laughs> an air of being considered sure <laughs> well two two beautiful picks from mr lear yeah uh matt is that like your favorite beatles stuff or no there, I, there are moments within each song that are like my favorite like the ending of that song where he says bye-bye at the end of it yeah just like beautiful brings me to brings me to childhood right um uh, yeah, it just it really opens my heart every time I hear that, and and that the horn solo and for no one like two like two of my favorite pieces. What is, is that a French horn or like what is that horn? It is, yeah, it's a French horn. And those things are so hard to play, especially with that kind of melody and stuff. So the fact that it moves around so much and then just doing these sustained tones, it's like really unusual, and that it's so like yeah, clear and present in the it's it's cool. I think French horn is such a I love that instrument. Yeah. I think the only other time I can think of it being used in pop music is Neil Young uh, after the gold rush. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Well, I worry my choices are going to be a little, little underwhelming because you really went for the, uh, the heartstrings <laughs> with your, your, your two I selections. I, uh, there's part of me that could be like, oh, like my favorite, favorite Beatles stuff is just the wacky John psychedelic uh, Strawberry Fields Forever, I Am the Walrus. Like, I could have gone down that road. I was wondering maybe if, if you were to to do that. I decided not to just because, like, that's such... That's both, like, really well-worn territory in general, and it's also just, like, a very small part of the band's sound as a whole. Like, that's just kind of one little tangent they had, even though that's kind of the the favorite of, of weirdos like me. Hmm. So I picked a couple tunes. Neither of them are are Paul tunes, coincidentally. But my criteria was vaguely that I wanted to try to, as much as possible, which it's impossible to do because they have 300 songs and change their genre and their like sound all the freaking time. But I wanted to try to try to cover a wide territory if if I was to try to represent like what their sound was as a whole. So like I'm going to start with an earlier number in here. Um, and we'll go from there. I picked a song from 1965. Mm. Uh, the, the other part of my criteria was just songs. Like I said, I've heard these songs too many times, like a, a nauseating amount of times I've heard this music. And it still never will get old as long as I make sure to space it out appropriately. But I went with two songs for today that I still, somehow they're still feel fresh. 
Like they're like the freshest of the bunch for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is. So some um, songs feel old sometimes. Yeah. Some some songs it feels like, good lord, could I put this in my brain any more than I already have? Like that it's just me and, and the, the amount of times I've heard it. Right. It it like as wonderful and amazing as Penny Lane is, like it's easy to abuse that and just like start feeling like it's stale if you just overdo it. Right. Okay. Because um, I think one of th- one thing I love to try to do is just like when there's songs in that realm, do whatever I can to make a brain switch to kind of just like really take it at face value at all times and just be like, yeah. this was once new. <laughs> or you know what I mean? This you know what I mean? Right, right. Because it's fun. It's fun to try to do that to see if it's possible. So Yeah, I I, I, I do my best with that, but it's uh we're we're talking hundreds of yeah. of, of times no, I've listened tricky. to it. But bet, yeah. Um but yeah, if you threw Penny Lane on right now, I'd still be able to jam out to it. Right. But yeah. we're not doing Penny Lane. We're doing a song. Why did I pick this song? I realized like with these two picks it's both like even the magic of the Beatles is even just the most kind of seemingly offhand, like, you know, quote unquote filler track that you wouldn't really think about because they have so many other standout tracks, depending on what album you're talking about. Seemingly like something you just toss off to, to fill up the, the track list. Even that, there's just like a, there's seemingly like a world of depth there in those, those like lesser known songs. Hmm. And the devil is in the details. Uh, like each of these songs, as I kind of consumed them more and got ready to, to present them, it's like all these little parts that make up the whole, all these fine points that like so many other bands wouldn't think to put in or wouldn't put in with as much finesse. And I'm just like, wow, it's there. There's something behind that, the hype of these guys. Damn. Um, that reminds I'm, me of one thing. Sorry. No, go, go <laughs> my ahead. Friend Jan just, my friend Jan just sent me a clip of Harry Styles inducting Stevie Nicks into the Rock and Roll Hall of, Hall of Fame because she's already in there as Fleetwood Mac, but he just she just not, recently not went solo, yet. solo. And like part of his spiel in his speech was just like uh, naming a list of songs that were all kind of the songs that you're describing right now, like deeper cuts that were on these right, solo right. records that may have been overlooked that weren't like Edge of 17 or whatever. So mm. it's just, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot in those like in-between songs for sure. And so it's fun to like give them their, give them their moment. It is, yeah. So I'm gonna play a song. This is the first. It's not technically the first George Harrison song, which I guess was "Don't Bother Me." It's very cantankerous. Oh, you're man. picking an early George Harrison song. I'm picking "I Need You" from the Help album. You know that okay. one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This, this is not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. She's leaving home. Sorry. <laughs> no, we need we need the yin yang. Also, it, I guess. Isn't my stance classically supposed to be like, oh, I like George Harrison, or like he's supposed? He yeah, like- if you're cool, George Harrison's supposed to be right. the best. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't, I don't, I have no allegiance to one. You know, like I'm more like in a who'd you do? I'd be able to figure that that more than like what songwriter <laughs> sure. I like the best. <laughs> and Ringo, obviously. Anyway, right, of, carry yeah, on, everybody. Yeah, everybody say Ringo. There, no, that's again the magic of the band is you can't take. <laughs> one of them out it's they all got their their thing going on wow to say the least but you got i need you it's uh like i said a big part of this was just what song still has some kind of spark in it that hasn't been extinguished for whatever reason you know as i have become just so familiar Mm. with with all these songs all these albums so 
Um, you know, before we kick into it, I could point you towards the use of the the volume pedal. I think mm. is super cool. It's uh, the like the vocal harmony that comes in. The chords get weird. Um, and again, the, you know, the Beatles aren't all like the late '60s. They had their whole string of albums, many albums. You know, they started recording in '62. So I just wanted to to throw a light on on their their uh, earlier period too, just cool. in the, for the sake of balance. Yeah. But uh, enough yammering. Let's listen to uh, "I Need You." You don't realize how much I need you. Love you all the time and never leave you. Please come on back to me. I'm lonely as can be. I need you. Said you had a thing or two to tell me. How was I to know you would upset me? What would your wife say about this one, man? Uh, she would say the lyrics are stupid. Yeah, it's not about the lyrics. It's just sounds. Cowbell. That's when it hurt me. I'm feeling like this. I just can't go on anymore. Please remember how I feel about you I could never really live without you So come on back and see Just what you mean to me I need you Hell yeah That volume pedal is fucked That's so cool <laughs> I love when something's like like Ringo's drumming is just so just fully chugging and then that's off through the whole song and it's yeah beautiful the like yeah speaking of like in between songs that's like in between music mm. yeah powerful Ay. it's the kind of ramshackle that you can't achieve unless you've just played together for yeah you know, you're essentially half your life. Yeah. Just night after night after night. So even like if you're just fucking around and you're loose, like it's yeah, it's still cohesive in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Where is Help in their discography? Sixty-five. So I don't know what number album it is, but it's still I would say one album before they things got real. Like mm. Rubber Soul is kind of the period people think of like like the the. Beatles golden age beginning like that's the first of the just it's like the first album to have songs that aren't just like straight ahead love songs like yeah. nowhere man um it's Never like the beginning of like their like all-time run and help is like kind of this weird in-between period right before that but like after like yeah. the mania the Beatle mania hard days night time it's, okay it's an interesting period yeah is it considered a bridge to the next or is it just still, just the tail end of the when former. You, when you say so, Matt, I, I feel like a little, a little bit. bit. They got the I mean, folky it, Bob Dylan influence going on. You got to hide your love away. I mean, you got to hide your love away as a step forward. But I feel like they're still doing that, like woo, like that kind of you know hair shaking thing was still happening. Mm. Then I think it's probably like the last early Beatles record. Yeah, they just made a huge jump from Help to Rubber Soul. Like mm. I, I honestly don't see a ton of songs on Help that are in that 
place that that uh, rubber soul and revolver and what's the uh, time gap between help and rubber soul a year like, like eight months or something yes. yeah okay, basically okay, okay, like yeah, a year yeah. or less okay we're insane we're, we're, we're. what actually no it's rubber soul is 65 too it's wasn't same, it yes what like Could precipitated the the shift people say drugs oh really uh, no that i it's a million different things. They were just like not in their early twenties anymore. Mm. They were settling into the reality of their insane lifestyle, but they were getting more comfortable in the studio. They were just growing and learning as musicians. They were being exposed to different kinds of music. It was the mid sixties. So like culture was just evolving super quickly. Uh, like Bob Dylan's deal yeah. was happening. I mean, you bring they were up looking Dylan. at that. They were looking yeah. at Beach Boys. Well, it's the competition, I think, because yeah. the competition really wasn't there at the beginning because they was just like, you know, they dug Motown, right? But I don't think they saw it as competition. It's just, you know, diff- different lane or whatever, the way they were viewing it. And they would cover those songs, but they weren't covering like the Rolling Stones and Dylan and all those other people. They were actually giving songs to the Stones. But like, I think with the Beach Boys, with Dylan, they viewed it as like, this is a competitor. And I feel like there's a competitiveness in the Beatles that people yeah. don't necessarily talk about. And In between them, between themselves and the group mm-hmm. uh, with other bands. Yeah. They're always like trying to one up each other on some level. Mm-hmm. Did that manifest as like healthy creative things or is it, did it get ever like uh, fugly? I think, I mean, you can watch uh, the nine hour long uh, <laughs> get back documentary. Mm-hmm. I, if we're going to just briefly touch on why did they break up, I don't think it was a creative thing. I think it was the pressure to be in that band and to continue being like just the biggest fucking thing in the world and all the, like the eyes on you and the money people, you know, trying to work with you or get one over on you. Like, it's just when you, when they were all together as the Beatles, they, I think they felt like they were targets or just like confined together it was like being forced to be part of the royal family but if you break up and you split out on your own you can leave buckingham palace that was kind of the vibe i got okay. watching the, the latest documentary yeah and it's also like the lennon mccartney thing is like very much a love story because i think when people talk about the yoko ono bit like oh she broke with the beatles like i don't agree with that no. but i john was the one who insisted having her all the fucking time <laughs> like at the well, studio i think stuff. the issue was not that she was there it's that he just I mean, Paul wasn't his main person anymore. And I think Paul felt the detachment and it was like, he was no longer the creative muse. And I think that was a bigger thing than her being in the bed in the corner of the the studio or sitting on the amplifiers. So, yeah. Um, And Harrison was getting pretty fed up with... uh the restrictions kind of placed on him. Get song yeah. squashed. I, yeah. I, I watch Get Back. I'm like, guys, you just made the White Album. You're about to make Abbey Road. Like, you've been going... Take a fucking break. Take mm. six months. Didn't they feel, like, like, beholden by, like, label pressure to, like, just make record? Like, they were just kind of like, oh, we have to do this. Isn't that part of what... Pressure from everybody. Yeah. Everybody wanted them to just keep going and going, But right? it's, like, kind of unique that they were in a position of power in some ways where they probably could have, like, stepped back and been like yeah. wait a minute we need to, i don't know we need a break or whatever i don't know i don't know anything about anything no but you're you're <laughs> right you're right i mean like they i, I think when it was you're still right, you're right it was still mm. too early like it was still too mm. early in in the you know music as a business like they kind of um invented some of that stuff i mean from the from basics like the size of amplifiers having to change because of the tours they were going on to you know what a, what a press tour looks like 
Um, and I think they were still stuck in that thing of like two records a year and two yeah. singles on top of that. And yeah. yeah, I guess it was like part of the like thing about them being the first that really took things everywhere that they had to like literally be the first people. They couldn't like take this. Like, do movies. Yeah, they couldn't be like this, They couldn't be like yeah. Sade and be like, I'm going to take nine years between albums or whatever. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that could only yeah. happen later because of them and being like the little like workhorse freaks that they were yeah 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 george 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 harrison said like oh we gave i gave the beatles my nervous system hmm. you know like it like it fried him hmm. for his life hmm. yeah it was like you were part of that group first a human being second right and they just they couldn't emotions were just too high by the point they said fuck it like just done hmm. rather than hey we should just give this some breathing room also the other thing behind the scenes is uh John was gaga over Alan Klein as a manager and the guy that should like handle their business. And Paul's like, no fucking way. Hmm. And I thought that was a pretty big wedge too. But eh, it's a whole bunch of things. It's, it's a, also it's a trippy puzzle. to me that like they were the first to do everything, but also had this like keeping up with the Joneses vibe, like wanted to outdo whatever else was happening around them. And yeah, they look also at had Motown, look yeah. at Dylan. Yeah, exactly. And, but they also had like the talent and the skill and the like charm to do it all too. So that's like also so mm-hmm. unique. Mm. Okay. It's like a, yeah, just a giant jukebox in a in a four man group. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna play my second song. This is song number four to uh, to get you into the Beatles. Sounds like this has been a slam dunk all around. This is <laughs> we're way way past the point of trying to be. <laughs> well, I'm not insane. Here. Like I understand. <laughs> there's no. I'm not the person that's gonna sit here and be like, oh, pff, the Beatles. Like that's. <laughs> I'm not crazy. <laughs> like I know they're hey. the best band. <laughs> I you see memes online, people like the Beatles actually suck, blah blah blah. I would be very interested to meet somebody and to talk with somebody who honestly held the opinion that the Beatles weren't good or they didn't like the Beatles if they've if they're basing that off the music and not just the fact that they're overexposed. Right. If yeah. you if you take in the music and you got a problem with it, I don't agree with you, but I'd be curious about yeah. that. And but. I'm like I'm not afraid of dissing the Beatles on air or whatever this is like <laughs> if that was how I felt but this is not how I feel <laughs> that's that's why this is exciting I think yeah same for me yeah we're on the razor's edge here yeah we're gonna we're gonna finally play a, a John Lennon number okay. he, he was in the Beatles he was one of them heard of him uh I picked this song again I just it's it's in the white album which is you know already overloaded with tunes it's a 30 track album most of which are songs uh it's like the last it's in the last quarter of the white album it's like things are winding down you're about to get hit with that revolution 9 sound collage bullshit and then good night and you're done but right before that it's like you know every other band under the sun you know, would start running out of oomph or have every or have every excuse just to kind of phone it in a little more, or whatever uh, filler, whatever whatever the term is we want to apply. But this tune here, "Cry Baby Cry," mm. again, there's so many cool moments, so many well thought out ideas, and it's subtle too. It doesn't necessarily hit you all the first time. You take it in, but it's like the groove is always changing. There's like parts coming in and out, but it's never distracting or overwhelming. The the outro of the song, if you can call it that, like always haunted me. The can you take me back? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is like this is like an Elephant Six song or something, you know? 
Like yeah, a, it's like, it's, a, like a, it's haunting and weird. At White Album, are we eight track still, or have they got a bigger tape machine, or what's going on? Uh, eight track, I think. Okay. I think sixteen track was just uh, yeah. Abbey Road. They were still. Yeah. Sure a million people are yelling at me that I'm wrong somehow. No, I think you're right. Okay. I'm gonna play the Cry Baby Cry from the 2018 mix. That's the one I prefer, definitely. Yeah. I only bring it up because it is. It sounds completely different. Like normally, I'd be like, "Who cares?" Hmm. But do you know about this at all, no. Matt? Oh. Man, like I, I actually try to sometimes consciously avoid the. The new ones, I don't know. I don't necessarily. This is I, the one time it's worth it. It's Giles Martin. It's it's George Martin's son remixed all the songs from the White Album. If you're familiar with the original mix, it sounds like there's a blanket over it. Like it's cool. It's got a vibe, but like it's the one album from like their later period that kind of sounds sonically fucked up a little bit. I often like the thing that sounds like shit compared yeah. to the thing that sounds like oh this is good. <laughs> I mean, hey, I love both, okay. but it's just like the clarity that you get with the new mix. I'm like, I'm. It's like I'm hearing all these songs, like, all right. like Kirkovich. I'm hearing these all for the first time. It was, okay. it was a interesting experience. Okay. Maybe I'm just too production minded, but <laughs> okay. I just got to give a shout out to the 2018 mix. The drums, the bass, they got so much more oomph. And uh, proof is in the pudding. Let's check it out here. Yeah, this is like one of those when people talk about Ram being like an indie album or whatever. Like th- this is kind of along those lines where it's like I could hear. You know, Jeff Mangum liking this song. Yeah. Or Olivia Tremor Control. Right, right. Certainly, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I got th- it right this time. I threw on some uh, Neutral Milk Hotel for the first time in, since high school the other day, and I was not into it. No, really? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hell no. <laughs> Should have done an episode about that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what was Most it that you didn't like? Was it his voice? Like, everything. What was it that- <laughs> Keep, let's hear this one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I've played those records out, and I, I have not listened. It's like Nirvana or something. Like I haven't listened to that in a long time. I threw on on Avery Island because I was like, I, oh. I, I know in the airplane over the sea so well from when I was a kid. But I was like, oh, what about the one before? And I, I made it through like three songs. I was like, get me out of here. Anyway, <laughs> well, hopefully you don't feel that way about Cry Baby Cry. <laughs> here it. we go. Cry Baby Cry. Make your mother sigh. She's old enough to know so the harmonium that comes in for two seconds. The king of Marigold was in the kitchen cooking breakfast for the queen. The queen was in the parlor playing piano for the children of the king. Cry, baby, cry. Make your mother sigh. It's a badass beat. It's 
a little splash of lead guitar. She's old enough to know better. So cry, baby, cry. I'm processing this one. I like, <laughs> I enjoyed the drums the most. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> I love the idea of like Ringo playing in that way when there's such like irreverence and experimentalism around him. Like, I feel like he really found what to do <laughs> in a way that's mm-hmm. like masterful and so He can cool. always lock in. But there's something that feels like kind of cocky about that song that rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> And especially because when there's like a rejection of the things that came before and what you know, like you're capable of and just be like, I'm going to be crazy or whatever. <laughs> I'm a little like, come on, bro. Like, uh. And this one felt the most, cir- like I was hearing the chunk, even though it was the most kind of like wild and experimental, yeah. like I was like hearing what was going on. And like the song itself was like, didn't uh, suspend time or make me like, I appreciated things about it, though. But, like, I was definitely, out of the three that came before, not moved on, like, an emotional level. But I was, like, enjoyed it, I guess. On I, I enjoyed <laughs> Ringo's drum snare. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. I, uh, that's the thing about this band is I, I can say, honestly, there are 15 songs on the White Album that are better than that one. Yeah, it's just I wanted to well, pick the weird little dust in the corner. I love that still I love a little... sleeper hit, and there's like there's yeah. no, I'm not mad at that song at all. Like it, it was. No, but was... I, I wanted it to end things on a low note. That was, that was <laughs> I think that's hope. that's yeah. a good choice. We do we do do that on this podcast. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh yeah, I, I just need to think more about John Lennon too because like I was thinking there's something about like a revered person that seems like. I don't know anything about him though, but like he seems like confident and like he's got Yoko and he's just like, he's got it. He's got like wind beneath his wings. He's the most insecure out of all of them, I, ironically. But I could see that because it comes out in the music or else why, why else would you write right, a song right. like this? <laughs> you know, mm, like you can see he's untangling stuff. You could tell, you know what I mean? Like there's, he's not, he seems less in the flow than I mean, like McCartney's songwriting to me seems very like uh, natural, but also very like he knows what's going on. Like you know what yeah. I mean. And George, He's I don't got know enough control over the situation. Yeah, but in a way that's so cool. And then George seems more just kind of like, eh. and then but I feel like <laughs> John Lennon to me is the one that's like scrambling towards the mountaintop and desperately ah. wants to go to the mountaintop I in like a way this. That, in a way where I'm just like. Do you really want to go to the mountaintop? Like maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So I like this all, you don't know anything about the Beatles compared to us, but what you're, everything you're saying makes a lot of no, sense. This is cool. great. It's funny. No, no I'm yeah. loving this. You know what record uh, Nick might like is um, uh, Plastic Ono Band. Maybe. Oh, right, what do you think? he would like, yeah. Because that's well, when, well, well. I mean, that's when he, his, <laughs> yeah. his bottom fell out. Yeah. Beatles broke okay. up. He's just screaming yeah. on that record He's up yeah. and down the block. Yeah. Going through primal scream therapy, and it's just like really raw. I mean, it's only pretty much a trio for a lot of the songs, and mm. uh, just heavy backbeat. And Lots just, of mm. Ringo snare. Lots oh, nice. of snare. Yeah. I think he might I'll check it that. out. Is that the one with the willow tree on the cover? It, it is. is. Yeah. 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 Seen it. 
Never heard <laughs> it. Uh, I'll check it out because I am the most, I actually, I feel like the most like fascinated by like what to do with Lenin personally. So, and I'll, I, I can relate to that too. Like there's patches of my discography where I feel like I'm clawing to the mountaintop and I wished, I mean, it was just part of the, what ended up happening, but you know what I mean? I don't think that's like where I like to rest and enjoy music <laughs> mm-hmm. these days, mm-hmm. but, uh, that song was cool. <laughs> that, I mean, I, I don't, I do, I do like that song, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with what Nicholas is saying. I mean, I think that they're, I love John Lennon. I think he's one of the greatest songwriters ever, but the, 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 yeah. Of course. What you're saying about hearing like some level of self-consciousness in this song construction, whereas with McCartney, there's sort of an effortless flow. Um, or even effortful. It's right. like, but it's still just the Everything in, is in still its like, right place at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. a master. Lennon's there's a master. like, I don't know. You want this? All right. I've, I'll do this session. We'll get this one out of the way. Like, yeah, there's like this kind of like awkward swagginess to like cry, baby, cry. It's like <laughs> the, the original lyrics were uh, cry, baby, cry, make your mother buy. As that was like from an advertisement he saw. Oh, like a capitalist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think there are songs that are less like that. Even on the White Album, like I would have, Thomas, if I were you, I would have picked Sexy Sadie. That's a better song. There's a lot of better Lennon songs on the White Album. I just wanted to uh, to show a, a funky one. But yeah, Sexy City, yeah. Happiness is a Warm Gun. Oh, ha- that's the one. That's the that one. That is the one. Oh, yeah. Dear I know, Prudence, I know like, that there's song. a million others I could have gone with. Yeah. I must know Happiness is a Warm Gun, happiness, right? Like, can you hum it? Happiness, happiness is a Warm Gun. gun. Bang, bang, <laughs> when I hold you. <laughs> <laughs> The Zoom is also capturing their like slapback vocal oh, effect man. that I'm sure is on that recording. Oh, 100%. 100%. My yeah. finger on your trigger. Yeah, that's the one. Nope, I oh. went with an underwhelming one. Andy Warhol, I love this thing that he used to tell the Velvet Underground when he was their manager being like, always leave the audience wanting less. <laughs> so you certainly did that. <laughs> Actually, no, this, I'm, yeah, I'm fully, I'm going to, this has been awesome for me. Yeah. Hearing these songs. And like I know it's all there. I'm I'm open to it. Clearly, I was like fully crying. I mean, I'm, I you, cry. You easy, were like, legit crying. Yeah. yeah, she's leaving home. Yeah, yeah. So of course. that that, that yeah, bodes yeah. well. I think you're gonna have a nice I'm open. nice musical journey. You got 300 of their songs to dig through. It, at 250 yeah. of which are like really good. So that that's yeah. quite a yeah. It's quite a path you. Uh, I've got Beatlemania. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> You're going to be buying uh, pieces of Paul's shirt on eBay from 1965. (laughs) I want to thank you for coming on Losing My Opinion. This was uh, a treat to have you back. I know we we did a couple episodes of my former podcast, but uh, always great getting to talk to you. And I just want to say for the folks at home, at Scaramouche, Kurgovich and Chavison, goddammit. Chavison and Kurgovich. No, no, no. I say Kurgovich and Chavison. I see see what you're doing. Don't tell Joe's. Don't tell Joe's. The two of you, I, that album is it's it's great for a lot of different situations. Uh, like it's it's really mellow, but the the, uh, the driving beat of uh, I'm so happy with my little dog. Ooh, that's mm. really some good pop goodness. Lyrics are really mm. cool. Definitely recommend that album. And I'm also wondering if uh, if you got anything else going on you want to tell the folks at home about? Uh, not nothing till the spring, and it's all kind of 
lumpy and unformed, but yeah, there'll be some stuff in the in the springtime. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to be secretive. I just don't yeah. really know what's going on. Folks yeah. are folks are just chilling yeah. right now. You had a pretty busy year too. You were traveling and touring up and yeah. down. Yeah, I've been rocking and rolling. Barbara Ann, uh, Matt, what did you <laughs> learn today? Uh nothing really. I just had a great time. Same. Uh, getting this perspective from Nick. I mean, like, like this music is so, it just rattles around my skull. Like for, for most of my life it's in there. And, um, it's great to step back from something that's so ubiquitous and, and see it from another angle. It's like we were talking before about, uh, what's joyous about deconstructing something you've heard a million times, like, let it be the ebb and flow of me liking that song is just endless. And I love that. Like that's Mm. part of my life is just sometimes I'm going to, I can't stand it. And other times it hits I think different it's different every time you hear it. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I, I stopped listening to Hey Jude until I heard Wilson Pickett's version of it. And Ooh, I was like, oh call shit. Call back to our first episode. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing again to me. And I just love that aspect of life coming back to shit you've heard a million times. Yeah. I just, I recommend that just the rearranging your brain so you could try to always just like tap into like things that have been done to death. Cause like, I feel like the fact that they're, that that's the case doesn't diminish their power. And it's so fun to try to like really try to get there every time if you, if possible. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. Next, next time you hear Jeremy by Pearl Jam, <laughs> just really get into that's it. That's a great example. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh man. Or, uh, with arms wide open by Creed. I yeah. would not, I'm not <laughs> sure about that one, but yeah. <laughs> well, if you out there, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you want to make sure you catch all future episodes, go ahead and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And you can also follow us on social media at Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And what did I say today? I said uh, John Lennon's easily the most insecure member of the Beatles. Uh, yeah. I could, I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. What was that supposed to be? What was? Let's just wrap it up. That's what that was supposed to be. (laughs) Thank you for listening, folks. Bye bye. Bye. (laughs) Happiness is a one.